Hello, and welcome to this week's sermon podcast from Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Kenwood. Here we preach the good news of Jesus Christ. Whether you find the message to be uplifting or challenging, comforting or even unsettling, we hope it'll help you grow in faith and your relationship with God. Thank you for listening. To God be the glory. Good morning. Welcome to worship. It is great to have you here this morning. Special welcome if you happen to be a visitor with us. We are glad that you are here. And uh, we invite you to fill out this trifold communication card so that we can thank you for being here with us this morning. As you were out in the lobby, you noticed our resurrection project table is still up in front of the coat room. And um, we are collecting donations for CLM, which is one of our ministry partners in Haiti that works with women who live in ultra-poverty. They get enrolled into a program that truly does transform their lives. We set a goal of enrolling four students, four women, and we reached that goal. And Alex reported that as of the last service, we are about halfway to a fifth uh, enrollment charge. So please, uh, if you're able to help, please do. And um, it's, oh, okay, I'm like, I should always know there could be something happening behind me. Um, Today is the last day for that. Uh, The May horn is available. It's out in the lobby, hard copy, and that stand as you're leaving, and it is also uh, online, so please check that out. Also, putting in a plug, if you are able to help with the Taft Elementary School picnic, end-of-the-year picnic, that is on May 20th. There is sign-up sheet on the sign-up central, so sign up and learn more information. Finally, today we begin our three-week stewardship emphasis. Our theme this year is Making All Things New. And our specific theme today is Seeing with New Eyes. I hope you have received or will soon receive a letter in your mailbox with an estimate of giving card. Please prayerfully fill out that card for an estimate of your financial support for our next fiscal year, which begins on September 1st. We will be gathering those cards on the weekend of May 18th, or you can mail it in by June 1st. Thank you in advance for your support. Uh, As a part of this stewardship time, we will be hearing more about some of the ministries that we support or that we have here at Good Shepherd. Today we're going to learn more about Habitat for Humanity. First from Amanda Hill, who is a member here at Good Shepherd, and she is also a a member of the Habitat for Humanity Board of Directors for Cincinnati. And also Joseph Brewer, who many of you know, who is also a Habitat home owner. And so I want to invite, I see Amanda, I don't, I know Joseph is in the building. There you are. You're not sitting in your usual place. (laughs) You threw me for a loop. So Joseph, I want to invite you to come up as well so we can all learn together. Great. Good morning. Um, As Pastor Heidi mentioned, my name is Amanda Hill, and I'm nearly a 20-year member here at Good Shepherd and also serve on the Habitat for Humanity board. And as part of Stewardship Month, I just first want to thank you, Good Shepherd, for your support of Habitat for Humanity. Not only is Good Shepherd one of the leading faith-based organizations for Habitat, But Good Shepherd has consistently had volunteers to help build homes. 
In fact, over the course of the partnership between Good Shepherd and Habitat, the congregation has helped build 60 homes in the greater Cincinnati area. For those of you who don't know much about Habitat, Habitat's mission is not only to build homes, but also hope and communities through low interest mortgages for home buyers. Also, Habitat for Humanity is a faith-based organization where we heavily rely on God to help us in our decision-making, and prayer is woven throughout all of our connections as an organization. Now, Habitat homeowners are really special individuals. First, they go through an extensive interview and screening process before being selected to become a home buyer. They also spend 250 hours of sweat equity towards either their building their own home, building someone else's home, taking Financial Peace University, and also helping at the ReStore. So with that, I want to introduce one of our very own Good Shepherd members, Joseph Brewer, who is going to share his Habitat story. Thank you, Amanda. Good morning. Um, when we arrived in the United States from Liberia a little over six years ago, we had three goals in mind to accomplish. Quality education for our kids, find jobs to help support our kids in their effort to obtain such edu education, and one day own a home. In just four months after we arrived, we hit the road running to achieve our goals. Through the help of our sponsor and friends from our Good Shepherd, we found jobs and our children were registered in elementary and high schools as well as in college. However, we never believed that the dream of owning a home was going to be realized so soon, as we thought that was going to be achieved by our children. But that story changed quickly after we were introduced to the Habitat Home Ownership Program by Abbas Ahmed, a Sudanese uh, immigrant and a friend whose house was being built by the Good Shepherd Lutheran Church. It was then that my wife and I put ourselves together to take advantage of such a great opportunity. We moved quickly to submit application along with all our required documents to Habitat for consideration. Two months later, after proper vetting by Habitat, we received a letter of approval from Habitat to buy a home. When we received the letter, we were overwhelmed with joy as our American dream uh, was now set to come true. Construction of our new home in Madisonville neighborhood began in July 2015, and uh, by May 2016, we moved into our brand new affordable and decent home. Uh, since our move, our family have come to realize many reasons why home ownership is very important to Americans. Here are some of the financial and non-financial motives and beliefs for owning a home. Our home has given us the stability we need for our children to grow and be focused on their education for their future careers. It has given us the sense of belonging in the community we live in. 
It has allowed us more personal freedom and security. It is, it is indeed cheaper than renting. Above all, it has provided us with a pride of ownership. It is for this reason, and many more, that we are always proud to speak as beneficiary of Habitat Home Project. My wife and I would like to thank all those who are involved in Habitat Housing Projects, including our own Good Shepherd Lutheran Church, and donors, and humble volunteers who come from all walks of life to provide affordable and decent homes for deserving low-income families. Thank you. I think it's also worth mentioning, Joseph was telling me beforehand that one of his daughters is studying construction management in college, so uh, hmm. it could inspire the next generation for Habitat. Uh, so I want to just let you know of a few opportunities at how you can get involved with Habitat. First and foremost, you can help build alongside other members of Good Shepherd. Our next build date is May 18th. And feel free to come if you are skilled or even if you're unskilled, like myself. We help train people on the site. We also adjust the duties on the site to your skill level as well. If construction just isn't your thing, we are also looking for volunteers to help make and serve lunch for the volunteers as well. And also, if you are a parent of a child and you have any unused Legos that you would like to donate, we will be, make, we will be building Habitat for Humanity homes with Legos in an upcoming manner, and you can feel free to donate your Legos outside. After church service, there is a table outside where you can also learn more. Thank you again for your support. We really appreciate it. Good morning. The first reading is from the ninth chapter of Acts. Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way he found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go to the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men with Saul stood speechless, for they heard the sound of someone's voice but saw no one. Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. He remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, go over to Straight Street, to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now. I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, 
I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem, and he is authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. But the Lord said, Go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings, as well as to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. Afterward, he ate some food and regained his strength. Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days. And immediately, he began preaching about Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is indeed the Son of God. Here ends the reading. The second reading is from Revelation chapter 5. Then I looked again, and I heard the voices of thousands and millions of angels around the throne and of the living beings and the elders. And they sang in a mighty chorus, Worthy is the Lamb who was slaughtered to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea. They sang, Blessing and honor and glory and power belong to the one sitting on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. And the four living beings said, Amen. And the twenty-four elders fell down and worshipped the Lamb. Here ends the reading. Please stand for the reading of the Gospel. The Holy Gospel according to St. John. Later, Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there, Simon Peter, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. We'll come too, they all said. So they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out, fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then he said, throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat, and you'll get some. So they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, for he had stripped for work, jumped into the water, and headed to shore. The others stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net into the shore, for they were only about a hundred yards from the shore. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. Bring some of the fish you've just caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to the shore. There were 153 large fish, and yet the net hadn't torn. Now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Then Jesus served them bread and the fish. 
This was the third time Jesus had appeared to the disciples since he had been raised from the dead. The Gospel of our Lord. You may be seated. Grace to you and peace from God our Creator, Jesus our Savior, and the Holy Spirit who inspires us all. Amen. So last week I went to the eye doctor for my annual checkup, and I got some good news and some not-so-good news. The good news is that for the past several years, my vision has remained the same, no changes. The not-so-good news is that for the past several years, my vision has remained the same, no changes. Without the help of contact lenses or glasses, I can't see very well at all. But with corrective lenses, I can see okay for reading, and okay for distance. I'm functional, and at my age, I'll take it. Well, today we kick off our three-week stewardship theme, Making All Things New, which is a phrase that God speaks in the last chapter of the last book of the Bible, Revelation, and that reading will be one that we'll read in a couple of weeks. Our theme within the theme for today is to see with new eyes. The story we read from Acts, Saul, who is better known as Paul, is going to need more than a visit to the eye doctor to change how he sees the world. Paul is a Pharisee and a religious leader. The story says he is breathing threats and murder against any followers of Jesus. Even though at the beginning of the story, Paul's physical vision is fine, spiritually he is blind to the new thing that God is doing in Jesus. Then on his way to Damascus, we heard the story this morning. You know the story. Paul has an encounter with the risen Christ who asks him, why do you persecute me? The result of that encounter is that Paul becomes physically blind, but spiritually, he is beginning to see with new eyes. Of course, Paul isn't the only one in the story that begins seeing with new eyes. The story says there's a follower of Jesus in Damascus named Ananias. The risen Christ speaks to him in a vision and tells him to go and lay his hands on Paul so that Paul will regain his sight. Now, Ananias understandably protests. After all, Paul was coming to Damascus to bind in chains and haul off to Jerusalem Ananias and any other followers of the way. Now, why would Ananias willingly go near Paul, much less help him. You see, Ananias can also see physically, but he is blind to how God will use Paul to do God's work. Now to see with new eyes, Paul and Ananias didn't need to go to an optometrist. They needed to have an encounter with the risen Christ. In this story, we witness the power of God to transform lives. This is perhaps the most powerful transformation story of a person or people in all of Scripture. After encountering the risen Christ, Ananias becomes an instrument of healing in the life of a former enemy. 
Paul is transformed from persecutor of the church to one of its most influential leaders. Their vision changes in how they see each other. Now, part of God's holy wisdom, I think, in this story is getting Ananias and Paul into the same room. Because up until then, they were defining each other out of fear, out of assumption, out of judgment, out of anger. Each man making an assumption about who the other was, and therefore they were blind to the power of God. Being in the same room meant that the one they had defined as other became known. And they began to see each other with new eyes. Of course, the power of this story doesn't end with Ananias and Paul. God is longing, God is longing to help us also see with new eyes. Now, I've learned to live with my physical vision, which is just okay, functional. But too often we settle. We settle for spiritual vision that is just okay. Because when you look at others, especially people we don't know, we might look at them through the lens of fear or our judgments or our assumptions about who they are. And God desires so much more than that for us. God wants us to see with new eyes. And very often that transformation comes through the power of relationships. A few weeks ago we had our new member class, and we asked the class to share experiences they have had serving either in the church or out in the community. And one member of the class told us about work that he does with a ministry that helps people get their GEDs, so folks that never got their high school diploma. Most of the people he works with are are teenagers that have dropped out or young adults. And he talked about how powerful it is to sit with these kids and week after week and get to know them. He mentioned one young man in particular whose dad was in prison and whose mom had died of a drug overdose. And as he told us this story, I could just see how this man's heart ached for that kid. Now, it would be easy for us to make assumptions about a young man like that, to see him through eyes of maybe fear or judgment or assumptions we make. But when a relationship develops, when you see the complexity of the situation, you begin to see a beloved child of God. When you know a name and a story, when there is a relationship, you begin to see this other person with new eyes. I mean, that's why we invest so deeply at Taft Elementary School. We know the names of the kids. We learn their stories. We want the relationships because it is through relationship that God will transform our vision and give us new eyes to see these children as beloved and full of God's potential and purpose and possibility. It's why we work side by side with those who will receive a Habitat home. I mean, it's easy to see those who struggle with unstable housing through the eyes of judgment or assumption. 
But when a relationship forms, you meet a single mom who works two jobs and is so smart and determined and has a great sense of humor. You see, the new, see with new eyes the potential and purpose and possibility present in a beloved child of God. That's why we invest in the summer science and reading program at Vail, which is our sister Latino congregation in Westchester. In the May Horn newsletter, you'll read, you can read testimonies of students we've tutored over the past couple of summers. I mean, not only are the kids doing better in school, but God is giving us new eyes to see those who speak a different language and come from a different culture. Every spring here at Good Shepherd, we set aside time to focus on stewardship. You might say it is our annual checkup to make sure we have God's vision in our focus. And we invite you to do your own checkup in your heart to see how God is stirring you to engage perhaps more deeply than before in the ministry here that God is calling us to. God has woven deep into the fabric of this place a vision for outreach. And your ongoing support year after year after year means that we're able to support lots of important ministries in our community and beyond. So thank you for how you have responded to God's invitation to be generous. But we are more than just a check-writing church. We are a church that longs to see with new eyes. We long to see our neighbor the way God sees our neighbor. So we invest not just our financial resources, but also ourselves into kids who struggle with poverty and those who experience unstable housing, those who are working to assimilate into our community, college students down at UC, those who are hungry, preschool students who are just learning about our great God of love, and women in Haiti who live in poverty that is beyond our comprehension. We form relationships so that God will heal us, so that God will transform our vision our spiritual vision that is just maybe okay, functional, into people who have a spiritual vision that is so clear that we see and encounter the risen Christ in our neighbor. We become those whose spiritual vision is so clear that we see the risen Christ in our neighbor. And that is when we will truly see with new eyes. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this week's message from Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Kenwood. Please browse our website for other opportunities to grow in faith or serve the Lord. If you are able to worship with us at any time, we would be most honored by your presence.